Welcome to the Winners Find a Way show and podcast with your host, Trent M. Clark, three-time World Series coach, CEO of Leadershipity, serial entrepreneur, having started 12 companies, coach to the 1%, and an international speaker. This show is going to be your go-to podcast for facing adversity, being inspired, and overcoming obstacles, all from the best in the world, business, sports, and leadership. Hate the crappy ingredients in many beverages and energy drinks? Rebellious Infusions are the go-to functional beverage. They have five or fewer plant-based organic ingredients. No sugar, no calories, loaded with antioxidants to boost your immune system. And L-thionine for brain health. Rebellious Infusions are available at drinkrebellious.com. Rethink your drink. For 10% off of your next purchase, use the code 99999. Hi, this is Trent Clark, CEO of Leadershipity, serial entrepreneur, international speaker, longtime coach, and professional baseball coaching in three World Series. And today on the Winners Find a Way show, I welcome my good friend, Gordy Bufton. Hey, Gordy. What is going on, Trent? Good to see you. Uh, so much going on this Labor Day weekend. It's exciting. I'm thrilled to see you as well, my man. It's been a long time since I've seen you personally, but we talk a lot, right? Like we get a chance to talk. But we are on different angles of the world all the time. And we're going to hear a little bit about how you spent your whole COVID time in Europe. And <laughs> we're going to hear that. So let's get into this a little bit. For the show, you join the show for the first time. Winners find a way. Have you ever faced stiff adversity, felt like the losses are mounting, and you need to find a better way? Well, I think you came to the right place, whether you are already an entrepreneur, an athlete, business leader, or just looking to start your journey to being elite, this this is the perfect show for you, the perfect podcast. I'm so thankful you're with us, and you're going to definitely enjoy Gordy Bufton. And there will be a time for Ask Questions. You can ask questions in the chat. We will get to that on the back side, and I will try to get to your questions, and we may answer them via text. So here's a few highlights I doubted down about Gordy. Before I do that, Gordy, tell them where they can find you on social media. How can they get a hold of Gordy Bufton? Oh, social, my favorite. So Gordon, G-O-R-D-O-N, Bufton. At most of the platforms, the best is probably LinkedIn, just Gordon Bufton. And then Instagram is Gordon Bufton 8. And then if you want to send me an email, it's gb at geniuscreators.org. So it's geniuscreators.org and gordybufton.com, both your websites, correct? I'm switching from Gordy Bufton to gordonbufton.com, okay. but most of the stuff will be on geniuscreators.org. All right. We're maturing from Gordy to Gordon. I like that. <laughs> You're going formal on me. I like it. I know. It's been a while since we met in, in Thailand. What was that? 2016 at an like EO conference? Five years ago. Isn't that amazing? I think actually we met in Greece first. We were in, I think we were in Athens, right? When we first met? No, the first time we met was in Thailand. I've never, oh, I hadn't been there. I only went to Athens, Athens during COVID. That's fine. All right. So let's talk a little bit about Meet Gordy Bufton, award-winning international speaker, spoken around the world, high demand within the EO, YPO community. That's the entrepreneur organization, young presence organization, specializing in helping people connect what is essential in their lives. He's passionate about wellness and healthcare, been featured on CBS, NBC, Forbes, countless more, resides currently in Peru, which I love. You're a former collegiate golfer. You're a facilitator of many forum groups with Genius Creators. You're a key man in COO Alliance, a good group there. And you've been a keynote international speaker. You're a former drug dealer. And that's right. You heard it right. He's a former drug dealer. And that's Gordy's gig in a nutshell. But Gordy, let's start there. Say hello and tell them Gordy, when I say, hey, I'm your buddy, we're friends, 
and you know me on the speaking circuit, but why would you come on a show like this, Winners Find a Way, talking about some of the challenges you face and how you overcome them? Thanks for having me, Trent. I always appreciate our friendship and how much passion that you have for helping entrepreneurs and others and really empowering leaders. I come on a show like this to, as I say at every speech, if I just impact one person during the speech, it's worthwhile because a lot of the reason why I do what I do is I don't want others to have to experience what I want. As you mentioned, I was a drug dealer, not the proudest thing, but my entrepreneur journey, I wouldn't say started there, but but that really yeah. like, I was like, I can't be using all these drugs and, and not making money or like just having money out the door. So that's really how I was funding my habit for many years. Yeah, sure. I think when we look back at some of the things we did, I'm actually surprised I didn't transition that. I had like a paper route. I worked at a carpet store, cutting carpet and delivering carpet. I worked in restaurants and I thought like, man, drug dealers actually much more lucrative. (laughs) There's always that balance of ethics. Fortunately, maybe I wasn't a user, right? So like, and I always heard like, hey, if you're going to be a drug dealer, don't be a user because you can't end up killing your own inventory and your product, right? So that was like rule number one of that business business is what I heard. And uh, I don't know if there are any rules in that business. Well, rule number one, don't get arrested. Right. You are in a legal activity, right? And rule number two, don't use the product. I wasn't successful. I was fairly successful on rule number one for a while until I wasn't successful. But the good news is when I got arrested... So, and, and this kind of goes back to some of the other things that we'll talk about during our discussion, but like, I firmly believe you're the average of the five closest people you spend the most time with. And, you know, if you're hanging out with billionaires or you're hanging out with, at the, at the time I was hanging out with druggies and I was the only one out of my entire peer group that hadn't been arrested. Every single one of my friends had been arrested. So sure enough, I thought I was invincible, but I ended up getting arrested and spending my 20th birthday in jail, which was at the time I thought horrible, but in retrospect, the best birthday present I ever got is it really inspired me to change my life. You know, Gordy, if I talk to people around the world and I, and you and I both talk to a lot, right? There are many successful people that have been arrested between 16 and 21. I cannot tell you how many world beaters I meet we're like, oh yeah, I got dressed like twice <laughs> for this or that or monkeying around or, and I mean, it's funny because these kids now they record everything on their video. And I laugh because I was speaking at an event and one of my high school baseball teammates showed up at the event, you know, now 20 years later. Right. And I was telling him the struggle of these phones with these kids, my children and me too, really. And I said, you know, blessing and a curse. And he, I go, can you imagine us with these phones? And he'd like, oh yeah, we'd be in jail. And I'm like, oh, that's right. Like, yeah, we would be someone taping us at a B&E at the church so we can go play basketball because we're breaking and entering into the church, right? Like, I mean, it's bonkers, the silly stuff, right? But we did that. And now there's incriminating video evidence, right? I'm grateful. I remember a situation. I was like probably 18, 19 and cell phone cameras were like just starting. And we were, I was with some friends and we were, we were smoking a joint and one of them was like trying to take a picture. And I'm like, no, like, I don't want photo evidence of this. And I remember like having the joint and, and trying to hide it. And I feel like there was one photo, but like you couldn't really tell. But now, you know, I've worked with a lot of students and college students. It's like, it's incredible the stuff that they're filming and it's getting out. And then there's the things going viral and like the parties and 
Yes. I'm grateful I got out of that world when I did. And I, it's so true. I'm actually shocked at what people put in. And, and by the way, not without repercussions. We had a young gentleman from our gym. I used to own a gym in Chicago and he was a great athlete and he'd been doing some things out of character for sure. And uh, he had a full ride scholarship to a big uh-huh. 10 school and you know, the coach got a hold of his Instagram account or something, one of the social medias, and he posted something. And sure enough, they called him and said, hey, listen, we're, we're looking for a little bit better character than this. We're rescinding our offer. And I was like, wow, I was full support of it. I don't know how many times that there's a danger in putting your whole life out there. And then here it just resonated with all these athletes. And it's a terrible and unfortunate lesson, but one that was so impactful for all kids that were around trying for that opportunity to, like yourself, be a collegiate athlete, right? This reminds me of a story. I was just about to go to college and I get a phone call from the golf coach and he goes, Gordy, we, I know you're coming in next week. You're going to be a freshman, da, da, da. We need you to go take a physical. And as soon as I heard this, I'm like, oh man, that means I need to stop smoking pot. Like they might drug test me and obviously NCAA and those policies. And I remember my dad looking at me going, you know what this means? And I'm like, yep. And so I stopped smoking pot for about like the week before I went to college. And I remember we were in like all the athletes were, were getting physical at, the, at a similar time. And they're like handing us bottles to go pee in and like, I'm freaking out. Right. And, and one of the basketball players looks at me and he's like, don't worry. It's not for drugs. It's just to see if you're hydrated or not. And then, so they hand me this and I had to do the blood blood test where my blood pressure and like my blood pressure was totally through the roof. And they're like, oh man, what's wrong with this kid? So just because I thought I might lose my scholarship for perspective. Oh my God. I, immediately, right? That anxiety. Um, let's dive into that a little bit, right? Because when you talk about those impactful moments, you know, I, I think all of us have had a moment of crossing the line of what we know to be right. And, and we cross it and we run around and take a risk on this area and there's anxiety with it, right? And we start and, and like it snowballs into lying to people about where we were, what we were doing and cover ups. And, and it's not long before this thing is a spinning tornado, right? And every time there's a chance that that gig is up, it's anxiety, it's stress, it's high blood pressure. I mean, it's no way to live. Right. I don't know. A lot of a lot of people do. Yeah. Still. And like you said, it is one of those things that you do one thing and then like the next thing doesn't seem so bad. But, you know, one of the things that we're always talking about is those core values. And it is easy to create the story of what I'm doing isn't that bad. And like, Mm -hmm. oh, well, it's not as bad as Pablo Escobar. Like, it's just a couple (laughs) of pounds in some of the entrepreneur circles that we run in, right? Like the white collar crime of whether it's tax evasion or this or that, and easy to look at, well, someone else has, has done more and someone else has, has done some things differently, but we really have to check in with, Hey, is it worth like the aggravation of going to sleep at night, knowing my door might get busted for me? That would occasionally happen back in those, those years. Do I still, so I, one of the things I I work with a lot of my clients, like depression is when you're stuck in the past and anxiety is when you're afraid of the future. And so obviously the goal is to be in the now. It is easy to get in that anxiety and like what's happening or what's going on and be concerned. Like I'm, I'll I'll admit, like I was like, how's this conversation going to go? 
I mean, I know Trent, like, is how are we going to make the most use for the your subscribers, right? And, and your followers, how do we make the most value just in preparation for this call, even though I hadn't done anything illegal? I think that's so, like, that's a great statement. I never really had considered it, but like depression, past, anxiety, future, because we know people and, you know, I have close family members that, you know, everyone, you know, we've heard this statement, oh, you know, that person's such a worry wart. Right. They're, they're constant worry. So it is, it's about what might happen. Right. And yeah, I mean, I love the Twain line, right? Mark Twain, where you said, you know, I spent a hundred, uh, I spent 90% of my life worrying about things that never happened. Right. I want to pivot this a little bit. I want to come back to this, of course, but I want to pivot this. Tell us the most like impactful pivot point you had as a young person when you knew you were destined for something like the greatness you're doing now, the genius creators forums, you've been working with COOs all over the world, helping them get better. You've been all over the world, training people up for what's about to happen and, and the challenges they face and how to, and how to address them. Did you have a moment as a kid where you said, I am going to be this? No, I think the moment, like I wrote about this in my latest book, The Connection Effect. Like I think early on, I've done two books and sometimes they morph into each other, but there is a, so I actually do, I write about it in the nature of mind. I was at the Ritz Carlton Spa in Naples, Florida. I've just spent my 20th birthday in jail, like a couple of weeks earlier. I just got jumped in Macon, Georgia. Almost, I had a brick repeatedly smashed in the back of my head. And this guy was picking me up from behind and throwing me on the cement. And I remember going, if I get knocked unconscious, I'm going to be dead. And I got knocked unconscious for about a second. And my life flashed before my eyes. And I like quickly came to and ended up not dying and spending the night in the hospital with broken wrist, 12 stitches in the back of my head. And so then I had spent a couple nights homeless in Naples. It was just like three weeks of absolute misery fueled by my drug addiction. And I remember sitting in the Ritz Carlton spa going, okay, I can either continue down this path that I've been going, which will let me back in jail or dead, or I could get sober. And like 99% of me, Trent, was like, I can figure this out. I, yeah, I can put my stuff back together. And then there was that 1% of, in order to do what I want and like you said, lean into that greatness, I'm going to have to make different choices. And so I remember like going back home, my parents had to see me for three weeks and I'm like, all right, put my life back together. And they were like, here's how you're going to do recovery. And I was like, I can't handle this. And I called a buddy and went and lived at his house for a couple of, couple of months and started to put my life back together. And then I would like to say it was all rainbows and gumdrops, but it was not. And then I started to go in and out of psych wards for the mental health damage that I'd done during all my drug usage. And, and this goes back to, I'll pull this back to the college piece, like having that golf scholarship. And then when golf season ended, I ended up getting hooked on ecstasy. So back to that call before going to college of, okay, I'm going to stop doing drugs. And then it, it just escalated and got worse. So, you know, and, and this goes back to perfect example of the question like it's these little choices that we make and they could change everything about our life now like the choice would be okay if i if i smoke pot now like 11 years clean and sober like that might lead me down a completely different path right and i think one of my favorite books have you ever read the slight edge by jeff olson i have not so this is one of my favorite books one of the most five impactful books i've ever read in my life which says the small things that you do on a daily basis compounded annually will change your life. So everyone knows, like if we just exercise for 15 minutes a day, every single day for the rest of our lives, we're going to be like in decent shape. Good shape. Pretty good shape. 
decent like and obviously the diet like you can't eat mcdonald's every single day but like if you eat decent food and you move your body for 15 minutes a day and so that's the the slight edge and it's these little decisions that we make every single day compounded annually that forever change our life i love that have you ever heard of the book called success is a choice by the basketball coach rick patino so that was one that I, i think we probably put in this category i read it as a pretty young guy, I probably read it in my late twenties, and that was kind of his premise. You still like, are a young guy, Trent. Oh yeah, 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 I'm a young fifty-one. That's right. So success is a choice. Is all about you know we have we just make choices all day, and and you and I both know being around powerhouse one percent executives are most of our lives that the decision process has gone from fifteen to twenty-five thousand decisions in the mid eighties to now well over 50,000 decisions a day. So when we talk about success as a choice, I mean, there are 50,000 plus choices you're going to make every day from the littlest things. Like, am I going to have coffee? Am I going to put cream? Am I going to put this much cream in there? Like all these, all these little things. Can I get my 15 minutes in? Am I making time for that? All those things. And there's just, and then now you just think of the volume, the sheer volume of choice that we have and it's it's mind boggling to think it's a much bigger challenge for younger people today than I think when I was young. I'm a probably a couple of generations ahead of you as an old guy, but like I think that every layer just gets more and more choices, more options. And I think part of success of my generation was there was kind of like one path, and a lot of people were steering us to that. And hey, this is a way of being successes. There was less options, there was less temptation for all these choices. Because there weren't that many. And I think that's changed some things. What do, you, what do you think about that? How, well, and this goes back to our conversation, right? Like 10 years ago, this conversation wasn't happening. Now this conversation is happening millions of times yes. a day, put on millions of, okay, maybe not millions of different platforms, but dozens of different platforms. And that doesn't involve, well, one of the platforms is YouTube, but like, let's look at Netflix. Let's look at social media. Let's look at all the potential distractions that it's kind of like when you asked me, where can you find me online, right? It's like, I write about this in action effect. I write a whole chapter on digital disconnection of how- I love the book. I want to hear your statement here, but I want people to notice, like this is the iris, right? Of the eye, right? And I, yeah. I love this cover. This is probably one of the best covers of a book I've ever seen in my life. The Connection Effect by Gordon Bufton. And Gordon, real quick, I want you to finish your sentence. And then, and then I want you to tell us about the premise of the connection effect. And so, like I was saying, there's a whole chapter about digital disconnection. And yes. over the last 20 years, like with technology and cell phones and email and all, like nobody has really taught us how to use these technologies versus have these technologies use us. And if we look at Facebook or Instagram and some of the, like they have data engineers figuring out how we spend more time on these platforms, right? And so one of like my main strategies with my cell phone is like all my apps, like I don't get notifications. Like the last thing that, or, or email notifications, right? It's like, if I'm doing something like this conversation, the last thing I need is my phone going off or getting a notification and, and that and that pulls my focus away from, from that, which, and this goes back to the connection effect, right? Like connection effect is a playbook to being in the present moment, right? And this is why I have the eye on the cover is like when you're connected with someone, like the whole world can 
to be ending, but none of that matters. And so my observation is as a society, we've really gotten away from that. Like when was the last time you were at a dinner with your loved one or someone that you really care about and neither of you used your phone for that entire 90 minutes? I mean, 90 minutes? I mean, it's been months, right? Months since that's happened. And one of, one of the examples that I, I use for this is what is more important, the person right in front of you or that Facebook notification or that email or that text message? And whether it's consciously or subconsciously, we are telling the person that we're with, hey, my phone's more important. And so a challenge that, that I have for everyone listening is like, okay, if you're having a meal, like turn off the phone. Like you're not, like, and here's another example that I, I use with, with my clients is if you're in a board meeting and somebody wants to get a hold of you in that 90 minutes, what is your assistant going to say? Like, he's in a board meeting. You're not getting, he's in a board meeting. Like the world's not going to end if you wait for 90 minutes. But so many of the entrepreneurs that I work with aren't treating their family time in a similar way. Right. And so what is that signaling to your spouse? What is that signaling to your kids? And how to ultimately create that space of, hey, for 90 minutes, like we're going to be present with each other. The TV's off. The iPads are off. The phones are off. And let's just engage. I find it so valuable. I think it's a timely book, right? With social media just going on there. You know, I, I felt like uh, when COVID was announced and we decided essential services, I was like, hey, why don't they just deem social media non-essential and shut the whole thing down, right? Like that would be change the world, right? Like there's a couple of videos I've seen on YouTube uh, called Look Up and they do this, some statistics about our lack of presence in my world with executives, many of us will go, you know, hey, if you want to rate me as a listener, Gordy, you're probably thinking, I think I'm a 90 and you're telling me I'm a 60. But every time we have a conversation, I'm sitting here like, no, no, I'm hearing, I'm listening to you. I just got to check this text. Like leaders are doing this. They're doing it all day and they're standing with this in their phone saying, I'm kind of listening to you, but I'm looking at this and it's a laptop, it's a Surface, it's a iPad, it's a whatever. I mean, we are a distracted bunch. And so while you may be a multitasker and can really listen like that, the perception, which you and I know is reality, is that, hey, I think I'm a 90 listener. Everyone else is a 60. It says I'm a 60. So I'm a 60 listener, right? And so the first thing I've got to do with these people is like, hey, what's getting in the way of you being present? He's like, well, I don't, you know, I don't email that much when I'm like talking to someone. <laughs> like, wait, email that much? Like, listen to ourselves speak about what we think is present, right? And the perception is you're not listening, right? You're not engaged. And we have to deal with it all the time. I mean, these are top level executives in multi-million dollar companies, right, Gordon? What were you saying? I wasn't listening. I was looking at my phone. I had an email come in. And, yeah. you know, and ultimately billion dollar companies, right? And what like, and this is ultimately part of the reason why I wrote the connection fact is just a reflection, right? If the only thing you take from this conversation is to just observe how you use technology in your interactions with others, it's been a benefit. And that's the, you know, like I say, in digital disconnection early in this conversation, like we haven't taken a step back and go, how are we using technology versus how is technology using us? And, and really thinking through. And during most of COVID, like I've been completely off of social media, wasn't getting, I just needed a break. 
And it gets interesting now, like the comparison, especially circles that we run like, oh, look, this person's on this private jet or this person's at this place or this person's at this. And like, oh, my life sucks. I'm just in Peru. Right. Yeah. And everyone else, by the way, is saying this, like, oh, I wish I was in Peru like Gordon. You know, you get all this. I mean, we're all just chasing the tail, right? And that envy is strong and it perpetuates under this environment, which is awful. So I, I like one of the things I took away from, I think it's called Social Distractions. I, I can't remember the name social of the movie. Dilemma. Social Dilemma. Thank you. So in the Social Dilemma movie, you know, we have intended consequences, just like all of us do, right? We have a goal. We have, oh, this is my intended goal. I, my intended consequence of my work is I'm going to work hard and I'm going to be the best on the team. I'm going to work hard and get a scholarship. I'm going to work hard and be the next VP of sales. You know, like, and there's an intended consequence consequence. So they talk about how we all knew what the intended consequences were. What we didn't know was the unintended consequences, right? The algorithms, the addiction, the bullying, all the stuff that's going on in these social media areas of, you know, pornography and, you know, sexual trafficking and baiting people and all these things that were unintended, but that are happening, right? It just feels like the whole thing was just never thought through from the beginning. And now it's like, how do we undo some of this, right? And I don't know if it can be undone. And one of those unintended consequences is the connection effect, right? Like that was not intended to lose connection in families. It was supposed to create connection. You can see your loved ones from hundreds of miles away. You and I are doing a talk, one of us in Detroit, Michigan, the other one's in Peru, right? I mean, like, like this is crazy. The connection effect can be of value and can be a success, but there's also this whole negative side of it. Talk to me about that. Need to hydrate but tired of plain old water? You need rebellious infusions. No sugar, no calories, loaded with antioxidants to boost your immune system. And L-thionine for brain health. 10 organic flavors and convenient liquid packets. Just add 16 ounces and you are on your way. Rethink your drink at drinkrebellious.com. For 10% off of your next purchase, use the code 99999. Thank you for listening to the Winners Find a Way show and podcast. Trent, together with the leaders who shared their learning and experiences through this show, are grateful for allowing them to help and support you on your journey to becoming your best. Write a review, rate us five stars, and share this episode to your network.